Okay, you started. Me started. Okay. Uh, this is the Tuesday Memo Podcast. I'm Eric Fruits. I also podcast at econminute.com. Uh, feel free to download that. It's also on the iTunes store. And I'm Ann Sanderson, and I wear many hats, and today it is a political commentator on TuesdayMemo.com podcast. Well, great. So we've got a lot to talk about. We have a two pages worth of stuff. We trimmed it down to just a few things that are kind of pithy, short. We value your time. Pithy. They're pithy. Pithy. Yeah. But no pith helmet. <laughs> so what are we going to talk about first? What do you want to talk about first? Let's talk about the Willamette River. Willamette. And okay. how it was in everyone's minds and newspapers this week. First as uh, the scene of the Greenpeace activists, Kai activists, um, demonstration against Shell Oil. And then later, two days later, it was the scene of the Portland Spirit ramming poor defenseless spectators at the Flugtag wow. <laughs> event uh, put on by Red Bull. So, the Greenpeace event was when the SEAL Team 6 of environmentalism, not a grassroots group, literally flew in from out of state, came in in the dead of night, and decided to string themselves from the St. John's Bridge, and then a bunch of people in petroleum-based kayaks got on the river and decided to block the Shell icebreaker. Why does it bother you so much that it was Greenpeace that comes out from outside of Portland, even though they were joined by Portlanders in the river after it started? Well, the Portlanders woke up at, at 10 when they normally wake up, grabbed their coffee and said, holy crap, there's a bunch of people in the river and it looks like Greenpeace. And then they're like, oh, and me too, go. me too, yes, I'm exactly. running down there. And, you know, because we don't really, you know... We're the place where young people come to retire, and we don't wake up till noon, and so we miss that stuff when the SEAL Team 6 of environmentalists come in. I think that it's really great that they started it and that we joined in, and if you're going to be an activist, what a great day to be an activist. It is a good day. And I'm not saying that I'm supporting what they were doing. I'm just saying it was a well-run, and sometimes that... um, takes coming having organization from the outside but there were a lot of portlanders in the water that day but here's the important part they first part is they came in in the dead of night no permits no nothing and pretty much everyone stood around twiddling their thumbs saying well it's actually kind of cute even the city leaders who are supposed to be keeping that waterway clear that's true oh it's kind of cute and i kind of like these guys so we're not going to do anything to stop them took a federal judge in seattle to shut it down Fast forward next day, this thing called Flugtog, terrible name, sponsored by Red Bull, but it is an awesome event. It is an awesome event. People put um, little vehicles that are, there's no way they're really going to fly because they're made out of cardboard and They're homemade. Homemade. Homemade vehicles. No matter how big the company behind it, you know, doing it for advertising, it is still made out of cardboard and duct tape. Yes. Yeah, it's brilliant. Well, I saw one that was actually made out of particle board, and I said, there is no way that thing is going to fly. <laughs> and I think it's I think they're actually designed they're supposed to be designed to fly, but they're really designed to crash elegantly. Exactly, you uh, know. And so falling with style. <laughs> and so the last time Oregon had one of these flug tog events was 7 years ago. And so I think uh, this is probably going to be our last one. So you're, Well, and why well, it, it was a big event. I mean, everyone was down at the river that day, and while Red Bull thought that they would have about 100 boats in the water as spectators because the best viewing is from the water looking directly at the ledge that they throw these um, contraptions off of. And instead, they had far more than that. It was packed. Everyone was packed in. Every boat imaginable, whether it was a kayak or a small motorboat or a rowboat, or or everybody was in the water. And that was fine. Everyone was having a good time. Things were peaceful, going along at a nice clip, and and, um, everyone was enjoying it. It was a beautiful day out until... 
<laughs> you'd think that they would have blown their horn, but I don't think that actually oh, they didn't. happened. No, nobody Well, did let's it. back up. First of all, mm-hmm. we, the flug toggers knew that, I mean, they planned this thing for years. So what right. did they do? They got a permit, right? They got a permit. They got a permit. So it was legal. Then what happens? Afternoon, Portland Spirit, the party boat. The party boat. With their partiers. With their partiers. Right. And it's understandable. They want to use the waterway. They take off at a certain time. They've promised their passengers. But you don't need to be moving to drink beer on a boat, do you? I mean, really? Do you think some of those people even knew they were moving? Let's give them some credit. Had just started. Okay. So, <laughs> but here's the thing: they asked the Coast Guard to move the spectators for Flugtag out of the channel so they could go, and the the people were having a hard time because they were anchored where they were, getting moved out of the way. And the Portland Spirit took it an, into their own hands to simply move through the channel anyway, based on maritime law that states that the bigger vessel has the right of way. However, maritime law also says that you should not put anybody in danger i imagine that scene in caddyshack is it caddyshack which where they're driving the boat and the 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 guy crashes into the 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 jerk rich guy and tears apart his boat that's why i imagine i probably didn't see that movie oh (laughs) you're not that old uh so anyway the backing up it's it provides a neat contrast the the coast guard then pulled their permit pulled the permit shut down the whole flu tug event that's thousands of people and it was over it was over. Done. Go home, guys. So what's really neat to me is the story that you have a group, the Flugtog people, Red Bull, the, the drink manufacturer, goes off, gets a permit, follows all the rules. They pull the permit, shut them down, and they're done, and they leave. And on the other hand, you have a group of people who came in and illegally blocked the river, and the city twiddles its, its thumbs and says, there's nothing we can do, and we're going to just let them keep going and do what they do. It just seems sends a very bad message, doesn't well, it? Well, in the end, the police did go up on the bridge for the Greenpeace activists and tell them they had to come down. They were going to transfer them onto other ropes. So something was happening. But I think it, it does show a, a lack of leadership at that point because you had this kind of thing going on, but who really was in charge? Who was making the decisions to have the spirit go ahead Head and then they weren't cited later, you know, putting people into danger. I mean, there, there are some pretty dramatic video from that day. Um, and there was people were so desperate for leadership around the Greenpeace thing that they were saying, uh, having these sightings of, of Mayor Hales on the bridge when in fact he wasn't there, it was someone else. And so people wanted some leadership and some, and some um, kind of like narrative to come from City Hall in both of these things. And, and uh, that didn't happen. Well, here's the kicker during that time that that whole thing was going on with Greenpeace uh, Mayor Hales was engaged in a very very important event and which was that he was doing a, 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 a tweet press conference regarding his meeting with the Pope yeah he did see on the Pope. climate change he got to see the Pope and while everything's hitting the fan on the Willamette River he decides that's the time to take to Twitter to answer your questions about his meeting with the Pope and climate change of course, that Twitter event was taken over by trolls, including me. And, <laughs> but some of those trolls were the Greenpeace protesters saying, call the cops off. Get the cops away from here. Charlie Hales, who is the mayor of Portland, who is also the police commissioner, right. said, oh, I'm powerless. I can't tell the police to do anything. And at one point, I tweeted him and reminded him that he hires and fires the police chief. He says, oh, I do do that, but I can't command the ground troops. To which I raised the question, well, why is it you always show up when there's a gang shooting? Are you just there to eat donuts? 
I think I think it's important to say that that it is about leadership and about vision and whether or not he can deploy troops or you know police for whatever um, event is happening. He certainly is the person who provides the vision in kinds of responses. And you're right, he does hire and fire those people. So well, let's talk about the vision thing. Mm-hmm. Who, who was it who had the vision thing? Remember that. Oh, George Bush says, I don't do the vision thing. And and I think maybe Charlie doesn't really do the whole vision thing. Uh, if, you, if you look at the story of, of Mayor Hale's history, even after being, even running up to being mayor, it's the story of kind of chasing shiny objects. He never has a plan or a, a, a policy agenda. It's just chasing things that he thinks will get him elected. Uh, he started off saying that he was going to pave the roads three miles at a time until it's done using money we have. And then he says, oh, nope, can't do that. Now we need a new tax. And then uh, he's interested in, in developers and helping out streetcars. And all of a sudden he meets the Pope and this guy gets religion. I mean, it's amazing. You know, it's, you know, what's the old joke that sometimes born again Christians are more annoying the second time around? Uh, yeah, Charlie has become incorrigible ever since he met the Pope. And then... Well, he's become very green. Like, he got acknowledged, you know, recognized for being a mayor of a green city or that we have those kinds of uh, ideas here. But he wasn't doing anything of the sort. I mean, he was in in favor of Pambina until he wasn't. So so. he's in in favor of a propane terminal here in Portland. Until Uh, he wasn't. Until he wasn't. Well... Actually, he wasn't because he saw a poll that said he shouldn't be, and so then he changed his mind, even though he was ready to go and do uh, what he thought was the right thing at the time. Uh, then he decided that the right thing was something different because polls turned out differently. Uh, then, on top of meeting the Pope and becoming a, 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 the new climate um, proselytizer, he then got to go to the White House, which made him incorrigible. Because that's like telling Donald Trump he's got great hair. You know then he's just going to make it worse. And so now, Charlie Hales is all environment all the time. And I think he's he's, he's spending some time now probably boning up on what environmentalism is. Because I don't think he ever really thought about it until someone told him that he's good at it. Well, he better hope that they vote um, in our Portland mayor's race in uh, the Vatican and the White House. Well, that's, that's two votes. He's campaigning, yes. <laughs> well, and and with vote by mail, you don't have to live in Portland to actually vote in Portland. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you well, don't even you... have to be alive. Yes, you do. No, you don't. Yes, you do. Last last section, last session, I went through the obituaries, and I found I can't believe I'm admitting this, and I found the people who died on Tuesday and their ballots were received on Wednesday, and there was more than one person. That's because you can mail them in advance. But it's amazing how many dead people vote. It's like, the last thing I'm going to do before is vote. Right? I think you're reaching there, Eric. <laughs> I mean, really. If you're if you're there, if you're there at the end, is, is voting going to be the thing that you would think of? Yes, in fact, I would. You are a good person. I vote, and, you know, I raise my children to vote. I will make sure you're buried with one of those I voted stickers. <laughs> Thank you, Eric. You have my back. <laughs> so what else do we have going on this week? Um, well, there's something we don't have going on this week. Oh, yeah. No city council meeting this week. None. None. And remember, uh, Mark Twain said that no man's uh, liberty or treasure is safe while the legislature is in session. So while our council is out on vacation, we can all 
just breathe a little bit easier. Well, we do have um, the following week to look forward to, and on August 19th, there's a couple of issues coming up, including the Mount Tabor Reservoir again, and also the Ban the Box. What um, the heck is Ban the Box? Ban the Box is the, um, it's actually the legislature in Salem took it up this year. It's taking off the um, box on an application that says, have you been convicted of a, a felony, I think is what they said. It's no longer, you can no longer have it on the application. According to the Oregon law that just passed, you can discuss that in an interview. Uh, Mayor Hales wants to go a little bit further because that's not enough for him, and he wants to say that you cannot um, discuss it in an interview. You have to, you in fact cannot discuss it until after you've offered the job to the person, and then you can um, do the background check. So it's like... uh it's like, don't ask, don't tell. Surprise! You hired a criminal. I I don't think that's their intent. And much like the street fee, the thing that comes out of um, Hales' office is, is a good idea gone bad. So taking it off of an application to give an employer and a potential employee uh, the chance to discuss something in person, to know the details and have their own narrative about it, I think that's great. But when you go further and say that you can't, you can't ask, then you can't discuss it, you can't even hint around on it, in an interview, and then you get to uh, the provisional job offer, and then you can go ahead and run the background check. But if you withdraw that job offer, then you are subject to a civil suit. So, I mean, it is beyond what's needed, and it's beyond what's reasonable. And so I think two things on that. One is, on an older version, there was a provision that said that if you decide to sue the city, or sue the employer for withdrawing your your job because mm-hmm. of your criminal thing, that the city would actually go to bat for you, right? They right. would become a party to that lawsuit. Right. And help you bankroll that that lawsuit. Well, and they would also fine you $1,000 and go through all of your hiring records ever, all of your hiring records. And so it's intrusive. It's, you know, this is a city that small businesses love to start, but that is onerous on a small business. And, you know, and I think there's another liability to go along with that is if you don't have the, the right to, to choose who you're hiring because you're fearful that you'll be sued. I mean, I think that's a problem. So but then the other thing, too, on this is what happens if you hire one of these people with the criminal backgrounds and, God forbid, they commit a crime while they're working for you? Are you on the hook as an employer or are you now held? It's a concerning idea, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, yeah. well, gee, if I only checked, I would have known that he did all these things, uh, but I wasn't allowed to check. And what, and you're then, still on the hook? No, you would get to check before you hired them, but what, what threat, the threat of having the city fine you plus potential lawsuit by the applicant could cause you to take someone that you did, perhaps it would not be a good fit for you because of their background. I mean, like I said, there is a great reason to do this because there are lots of crimes that have extenuating circumstances that people can explain. It happened in my past. You know, it was when it was a drug conviction for marijuana when I was 19 and it's legal now. There are a lot of employers that would overlook that and have a great higher and why should that keep someone from uh, working but if you can't ask about it and then you do the background check in you know away from the the interview then the person doesn't have a chance to explain anyway it just seems so odd that we're bending over backwards to go to hire 
uh, ex-criminals, ex-felons, and, and jailbirds, but we're not going through any extraordinary effort to, say, hire teenagers or well, other young people. That's not to say we shouldn't be doing that, too, but I think there's a huge argument of of someone who has has paid their price for the, the crime they did and wants to get back on their feet, it, it is shown that they are less likely to land in jail again. And I think that's great. Especially, oh, that if, great. It, especially if it's a nonviolent crime that they committed, connecting them to the community with a job and the resources to take care of their family is, is important. And this is a, and, and taking it off the application is an important step to have these people have the right to work. But Tying the hands of an employer with the big, the big stick that Hales wants to introduce, I think, is unfair. I want to know how many ex-cons Charlie Hales has working for him. That's a good question. It's a very good question, and I'm surprised no one's asked it. You should ask that. I will ask it. Okay. Or maybe a better reporter than us. Well, maybe we'll see him on the 19th. We'll go down and ask the question. Well, maybe we could. Oh. That might be fun. <laughs> <Excellent>. <laughs> maybe I'll bring my microphone. We can make it part of the podcast. Do you think they'd let us interview them? <laughs> they might. Who knows? <laughs> they are running. Want they are running. And I know Steve Nova can't, can't get enough of being in front of a microphone. That's right. Never met one he didn't like. No. So Mayor Hales is actually putting together yet another advisory group. Oh, yeah. We talked about that last yes. week. Have they filled it all out with his friends? Um, Pretty much, I think. I don't think the final roster's been uh, published yet. But I think it's pretty much the usual suspect. And speaking of friends of Charlie. Yes. One last thing. Yes. He's got a lot of friends, right? Yes. As a matter of fact, he's got, he might even have frenemies. And his newest frenemy is his campaign advisor, Mark oh, Wiener, right? Yes. You know, Mark Wiener's the, worked on his campaign over and over. He pretty much, he should have his own office in City Hall because he pretty much runs almost every campaign for every sitting commissioner. Everyone who wins. Everyone who wins. That's why he's called the winning Mark. Right. Uh, but he also, drumroll... Is the lobbyist for Uber. Yeah, isn't that interesting? That is interesting. Uh, and isn't it also interesting that Charlie was the Charlie Hales who who, who treats Wiener as his concierge or whatever, the, his advisor, uh, is also whispering sweet nothings to Uber and hmm. poof, and the a deal, deal is made. And the deal is done. And then I, I just came across something... Um, a few minutes ago, I mean, this is just shocking. So this is a story of some students at Lewis and Clark University who were researching the Uber taxi stuff, and they, they're actually asking a very good question. They're asking, to what extent are these vehicles accessible to, uh, to handicapped people? And they've tried to get meetings and meetings and meetings with Steve Novick and, and Charlie Hayes and, and had, um, have had limited success. And I'm going to read this to you. This is from the Portland Tribune. Meanwhile, the students have made repeated requests to meet with Commissioner Novick, and those requests have been unresponded to. And then they say, when an industry enjoys that kind of access, it's challenging to break through. It's easy to understand those representing the public interest who have a lower number of contacts. Uh, what they mention is that when they went to go meet with Steve Novick, and he's, they said he wasn't able to meet with them, they walked past him and saw him in a conference room meeting with, drumroll, Uber representatives. Hmm. 
keep your friends close and your enemies closer. This is going to be very cozy. This is this is going to be like the patent pace of Portland politics. Well, it's coming back again on the on the council agenda on August twentieth at two p.m. The Taxi Transportation Network Company's regulations is back on. So I guess we'll be discussing that. Maybe that's the a good will one. And the twenty seventh looks good too. Paul Stanford versus the city for hemp stock. Hemp stock is the big marijuana blowout party event where they pollute the city with posters on every single utility pole. I wonder what it'll be like this year now that it's uh, legal. Boring. <laughs> well, they it'll can give boring. it away for free now. They can make it interesting if they put them on the river in those kayaks. There you go. And with the Portland Spirit party boat. The par- oh, you think they'll have a smoke out someday on, on that Portland Spirit? I don't know. They're going to need something to to increase their business again. Uh, the the way that the kayak... The way that the... the People on the river that were run over by this Portland spirit on Flugtag Day um, did their own protest was to take to social media and they bombarded Yelp with bad reviews. So <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of bad reviews on social media for and there's even a page um, about it uh, on Facebook. So there's a there's quite a bit. So they had their own protest. So. Well, that's great. So we have anything else? And I think that's it. That's it. I think we've exhausted our time. We're at 22 minutes. We seem to always hit it around 22. It's a lucky number. Great. So we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. So long for now. Bye-bye. Bye.